Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons & Dragons. We're still on the Wish Upon a Star campaign. My name's Scott Riley. I'm your Dungeon Master slash Story Master. And I'm going to kick it off with my favorite player, Ganem. Wait, what? When did that happen? Followed by Isby. I'm a little hurt. Don't kill my Tomba. <laughs> Followed by Sussa Sabine. And I thought we were family. We we are family. Then I should be the favorite. Sabine, you've always been my favorite. Osmit, get him. Oh, I know that in my mind I'm the favorite. We just it's unspoken. Next is Logan. I quit. <laughs> You're gonna have to talk to my lawyer. Uh we're gonna have to work some things out. Until then, I'm boycotting. And last yeah. but not least, Eugene. No one is gonna bump me from best friend status. <laughs> <laughs> It's raining in Nightvale, and as often as it does, the spirit of the city and its people is usually lively. Today is no different from most, but for one family, the sound of rain drowns out the sorrow and the squalls of a child. In a small house, somewhere in King Square, a mother enters her daughter's nursery. She sees what no mother ever wishes to see, her husband, the father, holding a knife while cradling the baby. She speaks. Do you remember how much you said you were looking forward to having a baby? He is silent. So what if she's a tiefling? She's ours and I love her. He is silent and raises the knife. Lightning flashes light into the room and the crack of thunder drowns out all noise for a single second. The man looks at his hands to see them covered in blood. And he weeps with his child. His wife lies dead. He is no longer silent. I, I promise to love our child if you wake up. She is silent. I'm sorry I failed you. I'll never fail you again. Please wake up. She is silent. Sometime later, a basket is left on the steps of a monolithic blackstone building. The sign swings as the storm intensifies. A single knock is all that is given. The door opens, and an ornery half-elf curses. Man, what the fuck? And then takes the baby inside. And so begins our tale. Last episode, you all remember that Volk screamed into the scrying stone, help me, Grim is trying to kill me. And you heard a loud metal clang. Everybody in the base decided to head towards Omni Repair. We're going to start with Ghanem and Sabine, though. You all finish relaxing and enjoying your dinner at the Blue Rose Inn, and for some reason, you feel like it's time to go back to Omni Repair. What do you two do? You're both in the dining hall upstairs of the Blue Rose Inn. Well, ready to go, Sabine? Hi. It's been a lovely day, but I think it's time we get back to work. Yep. Just came for some grub and a scrub. Mmm, a good old grub and scrub. That's the way to live. That sounds dirty. <laughs> Alright, you two leave the Blue Rose Inn, and you notice Daphne working her way between both bathhouse doors. You don't see Atna anywhere, but Daphne nods to you as you leave and kind of waves goodbye. She's too busy to actually have a talk with you. You leave, and... It starts to rain heavily as you exit the Blue Rose Inn. 
Do you want to head straight for Omni Repair, or do you want to make any stops along the way? Um, I'm probably going to head straight for Omni Repair, just because that's what the plan was in the first place. I like it. Yeah, no reason to stop. Okay. You both head towards Omni Repair, and you make it there. The rain gets harder and starts to pelt you all quite vigorously. You notice something strange, Ganem. Your horse seems quite startled as you make it to the entrance of Omni Repair. I'll walk over to him. Okay. He's very nervous, and he's trying to get off of the hold that's keeping him in place. Whoa, easy boy. I'm going to try and calm him down. No check required. He's your horse. He's very familiar with you. You calm him down, and he seems to return to normal, but something definitely spooked him. I'm going to give Sabine, like, a worried look. Sabine kind of nods and then pulls out her uh, axe and heads for the door. Got him. Do you want to enter with Sabine? Yeah, I'll back her up. So you two enter Omni Repair, weapons drawn, and for the first time in a long time, one thing seems off. You look straight ahead, and Volk is not in his customary position. And as you survey, what I assume you survey the room, you don't see Volk anywhere. But you do notice one familiar face. Grim is sitting next to the loot in the circle of chairs just to the right of the door, and he's rolling a small glass bead in his hands. Sabine, you have no idea what this is, but Ganem, it looks very familiar to you. It looks like the packed sphere that Kos- that Isby gave Costia. And he looks up to you two and goes, Now, oh, evening, guys. Is everything all right? No more so than usual. Where's everybody else? I heard the rest of the gang was coming. We don't know. Well, I guess we'll just wait for them to show up then. I don't know what you're getting at, boy, but where's Volk? Oh, God. He wouldn't shut up. Don't worry. Volk's fine. Would you like a drink? What? What's your name? The name's Sabine, and I've always wanted a drink, but first I want to know where he is. Because this is where he be. Every other time I come to these doors. I'm not gonna lie, I'm really surprised someone cares that much about Volk. And he points behind the desk. And there's nothing behind the desk? Well, I mean, it's like 80 feet away. You've got to walk to the desk if you want to check it out. I walked it. Sabine walks to the desk. Okay. You walk to the desk, and at first you don't notice anything, but then you see a boot sticking out from under the cubby, from the cubby under the desk. It's Volk's boot. He seems to be stuffed in there, like a jacket kind of haphazardly thrown into a cubby, and he is knocked out. He has a giant red spot across his forehead. While this is happening, Ganem, you hear a very familiar voice echo through the air. First, you hear Francis Dahlmacher's voice, and then another voice that seems unfamiliar to you, but sounds very ominous. My name is Fenris. It's coming from Grimm, specifically the bead that he's rolling around in his hand. Why do you have that? Well, you gave it to Kostia, didn't you? Yes. What do you think I am? And he holds his hands out to display his whole body. He's in full black plate armor like I described before, and his paint has been reapplied to match that of a skull. I don't know, but I know you're not Kostia. Yep, I'm Kostia's boss. Okay. That explains why you have it. Doesn't explain why you're here. Or... And I kind of lean over 
why you apparently knocked out Volk. Don't tell me you've never wanted to knock out Volk before. One. Two. I'm here because I'm going to hire your guild. I think your Delta team, right? Yes. To do a job for the Gravekeepers. It's a very important job. One might argue the most important job in all of Night Vale. But I need your whole group here first. What about Fixstar? We'll get to that. And really quickly, Sabine, do you want to say anything? Uh, what? So you've just seen Volk's unconscious body stuffed in the cubby under a desk while Ghanem's speaking to this gravekeeper about this and that. Do you want to say anything? Oh, I thought you asked me if Sabine wanted to sing, and I was like, no, you, you don't want Sabine to sing. I do want Sabine. This not, is the perfect time for Sabine to sing. Not a musical, not a great time to burst out into song. Sabine is going to pull Volk out of the desk and kind of lay him gently on the ground and make sure that he's, like, still breathing and, okay. con- like, uh, unconscious, but, like, still with us. Roll me a medicine check. That'd be an eight. He's breathing. You have no idea how serious his injuries are, but he's not dead. Good enough. All right, so Sabine pulls Volk out of the desk, checks his breathing, and then she still has her axe out, and she's she's ready... And she says, as much as I've wanted Volk to shut up, he's the one who does our contracts, so why not just work with him? Because, Fixstar, and he whispers this, so you don't hear it initially, and he stops. Why don't you come over here? I'm fine right where I am, thank you kindly. Then I guess I'll have to yell. I'm hiring you for a secret mission to save Night Vale. Hmm. Sabine hears this and just kind of smirks and says, all right. Well, if you have to wait for the whole team to get here, we might as well just sit and open the cake. All right. Osmit, Logan, Eugene, you all make your way hurriedly through Mohol in the Quill District, and as you're leaving the King's Square, you notice Isby ahead of you by quite a bit, quite a large pace. Do you want to sprint to catch up with her or follow her at a distance? I'm sprinting as fast as I probably could. Okay. I'm bellowing my cape. And <laughs> doing the same. Isby, you're are you running or are you just walking briskly to Omni Repair? Uh yeah. Isby don't run. Just just, you know, a hurried walk. You all catch up with Isby in about fifteen or twenty seconds after seeing her. And Isby, you notice the gang huffing and puffing as they catch up to you. What's what's going on, you guys? Uh, Logan's just gonna blow past her and keep running. Alright. Okay. Volk's apparently being attacked. Ah, I see. Uh, then I guess we better hurry. No, I don't know about hurry, but we should... We should go. We should go right now. We should run. Let's go. Yes, run, run! I'm going to just kind of continue on my same piece. Okay. Oz also walks a little slower. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Eugene, I assume you try and catch up with Logan? Yep. Assuming you just run by and say that, Eugene, you two are the next to enter Omni Repair. You guys burst through the door to see Ghanem speaking with the Gravekeeper Grim that you met before and Sabine holding her axe next to the desk. Volk is nowhere to be seen. The loot is playing a jaunty tune. Uh, I want to pull out my spear and look around and... And just be like, uh, 
Got him. Sabine, what the hell's going on here? Where's Volk? He's over here. He's unconscious thanks to this schmuck. Oh, schmuck. That hurts my feelings. As it should. Apparently Grim here has a job for us. We're waiting on the rest of you. And the job requires him knocking Volk out? When did Volk become such a stand-up guy? I'm amazed. Well, first off, I don't know you. And on our first meeting, you grabbed another party member of mine, another friend, and threatened him. So, so right now you're not in great standings, bud. Have I gotten there at this point? At this point, Eugene, you run in to see Logan yelling at Grimm and the scene as I've described before. Alright, so I'm gonna barrel on in there and minor illusion my voice and uh... Oh my god, I can't... <laughs> got him. Got him kind of does one of those like, what the fuck? <laughs> Daggering like back steps. So Eugene, you startle Ganem and Grim just looks at you and says, chill out. In the calmest voice, Volk's behind the desk. The dwarf is guarding him. <laughs> I, I Don't fuck with my friends. I feel like I, I feel like I have to ask this question all day. When did Volk get friends? Why do you all care so much about him? He's super annoying. Yeah, but nah, he's our compatriot. He's not dead. He's, he's no one said he was. I'm I'm assuring the elf that he's not dead. <laughs> Alright, could you not do that anymore, please? That's clearly not your normal voice. You don't know that. I'm hiring you all for a job. And at this point, in the middle of his sentence, Oz and Isby show up to the scene. Eugene is yelling in a very demonic-like voice. Logan is spear-ready and looks like he's about to attack the gravekeeper that you all see next to the loot. And Sabine is at the desk. Ghanem is gaining his composure back. Is Sabine back. drinking? She is not drinking. I guess it's not par for the course, then. <laughs> when I come in, I'm just going to come in and kind of lean against the desk. As this chaos goes on, Grim continues to roll the bead around in his hand. Isby, you recognize this as the Pact Sphere. Uh, nobody else really recognizes it, and he says, All right, good, you're all here. Why don't we sit around the circle? Okay. Uh, I want to kick this guy in the nards. Do uh, it, man. Do it. Do it. <laughs> don't be a little bitch. Oh, in a minute. No, because uh, he's not happy, but Volk's alive. He just knocked him out. I'm going to go check on Volk, too. So is uh, Volk alive? Is he fine? He be breathing. Ah, then he's fine. So what is this all about? He rolls the bead around in his hands some more and he goes, Anybody know what this is? Yes. A ball? A bead? It's not worth any money, I can tell you that from over here. Grim chuckles at that, Sabine, and he whispers some arcane words into it, and the room gets cold all the way to the edge of the chairs of the circle around the loot. And everybody in the room hears two distinct voices. The first being Francis Dolmacher's, and the second being who you can assume at this point is Fenris, the antagonist that you've kind of been chasing the entire time. He whispers arcane words into it again, and the voices stop, and he goes, It's a packed sphere. These are very dangerous objects. 
and I need you to find the rest of them for me. So why don't we sit down, have a drink, and discuss a job? I'm fine. Should we wait for Fixed Art? No, this has to be done under the radar. That's why Volk's knocked out. You can't tell Fixstar about this job. I'll explain. Sit down. Have a drink. And he opens up a silver flask decorated in bones. Sabine, have you come over at this point, or are you still far away? She'll toddle over and take the flask right out of his hand and sniff it. You recognize this to be incredibly rare blood petal mead that only the royals of Ambostat drink. Like, you have to be a paragon's family or a noble to get your hands on the stuff. It's like $1,000 a cask, or 1000 gold a cask. <laughs> it is literally the finest mead in Ambostat, reserved for the upper class. She takes the swig, makes a, makes a guttural sound, and then walks away. I let's have a drink, and she just starts drinking straight from the flask, not offering it to anyone else. Sabine, you get inspiration. I don't, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think you can play your character any better than that. Uh, <laughs> Grim kind of chuckles at that and says, I guess we won't be having a drink. Here's what I need from you all. This is a pact sphere, as I've said before. The enemy we will be fighting is named Fenris, and he uses pact spheres on people who are close to death to make them his subordinates. If you gather these pact spheres, we can weaken him, but we need all of the pact spheres. You understand so far? Yeah. Any idea how many pact spheres there are, or are we just guessing? We're guessing. The more we get, the better. Any any leads on these pack spheres, or...? Yes. I'm really surprised you aren't more curious about it, but that's fine. I'll just tell you what I need you to do, and tell you the precautions you'll need to take. So, first, as I know the dwarf will probably ask this soon, payment. She is wandered off to the other side of the room, sitting in a chair. Still kind of near Volk, but her feet are put up and her axe is just leaning against her chair. And she's like, well, yes, of course, we were going to ask about payment. <laughs> Every pack sphere you collect, I'll give you 1,200 gold. And he reaches into his armor and produces a very heavy bag of gold and throws it. Isby, you're still at the desk, right? Uh, yes. So he chucks it. And this is an interesting feat as you're approximately 80 feet away. The bag of gold hurls towards you. It looks pretty heavy. Do you want to catch it or let it fall? I mean, if it looks like it's going to fall in front of my feet, I'll just let it fall at my feet. It falls in front of your feet, making a very large clinking sound. And Grim goes, from Costia to you. Oh, thank you. And I'll pick it up. Do you open it or do you? Yeah, I'm going to open it. It looks roughly like there's 1,200 gold in there. Yeah, okay. Anyways back to the matter at hand. The rules of this job. I'm going to make an official contract with Omni Repair using an alias. You all will accept it, do the job, and don't tell Fixstar or Volk. In exchange, I'll give you a lot of gold and the God of Death's blessing. Why are you using an alias? I don't want Fixstar or Grimm involved, as this is a bit too big for either of them or Omni Repair. And the reason, before any of you ask, I'm choosing you all, Fenris's henchmen, for lack of a better term, can sense gravekeepers. And so we'll never get the packed spheres from them. You all, from my understanding, walked right into one of his henchmen's house, killed him, and took a packed sphere. 
So tell us a little more about this Fenris character. No, you're not to engage with him. I'm going to put him in the deepest, darkest cage I can find if you get me these pack spheres. Well, I'm gonna need to know a little more about him if you want to put my friends in the line of danger. What's your name, elf? Mm, hello, I'm Eugene Brunkle. <laughs> he points to his chest. Grim Smuds, a pleasure to meet you. Stick my hand out and try to shake him pointing at his chest. He gives you the eyebrow, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson eyebrow really quick, and extends his hand. You grab it, I assume? I do. It's as cold as ice. His handshake is firm, but it chills you to the bone. I bill on my cape. Nice cape. Where'd you get that? I'll tell you if you tell me about Fenris. Not worth it. The only thing you need to know about Fenris is that he's killed millions of people. He's stolen from the gravekeepers, and he's cheated death. He's not a good person to be around, Eugene. Then not worth 1,200 gold per little pearl thingy. Well, you don't have to accept the job. No, no, let's, let's hear him out. Seems we do the job, he pays. Seems like a decent way to make some extra coin. I just don't want you guys to die. And I'm kind of trying to say that as an aside, but not very well. Don't worry, Eugene, that's what I'm here for. Sabine kind of chimes in and she's, she's getting a little tipsy at this point. And she says, as much as I don't enjoy anything that has to do with the hocus pocus nonsense, it's quite a lot of gold for such tiny objects. Grim, was it? Yeah. These pack spears who say they're given to an individual brink of death. Do you know anything more about them? Yeah. Let me answer the door first, though. Sabine. Aye? These are literally the life essence of a person. They are invaluable, as you could simply crush it and kill them. 1,200 gold. The reason that I'm offering that to you is because nobody outside of the gravekeepers and a dead ancient elven society should know how to summon these things. And that's why we need to keep it a secret. So which one is Fenris? He gives you the finger, the hold on a second finger, Oz. She gives them, like, the massive evil eye stare. If you've ever done something wrong and your parent just looks at you like you done fucked up. Every day. And she said, you put a man's skull into my hand and I can crush his life away just as easy. Your little marbles don't impress me. Good. You're going to need that drive when you kill people for their pack spheres. And what's your name? And he points to the fur. Oz. Oz Mimetohol. Oz. Which one's Fenris? What do you mean by that? Well, you said only two individuals know how to create the right gravekeepers in an ancient society of Elf. So that would mean that Fenris has to be one of those, yeah? Or both. Hmm, fair. There is that one. I'll answer that question for you, Oz. He's not an ancient elf, although he is an elf. And he was a gravekeeper once. Uh, can I do a history check to see if I know anything about these sphere, the pack spheres? Yes. From my time in the libraries? Go ahead. History check. Roll it. Give me a 14. You have never heard of a pack sphere before. In all of your readings, those two words put together have never crossed your eyes. That's disconcerting. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I feel like we're getting lost in the weeds here. Are we ready to talk about the specifics of the job? Go on. One moment. Eugene, can I speak to you over here for a moment? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Can you do anything about this hole in my shirt as I walk Eugene over to the corner? <laughs> 
Oh, um, sure. And I snap my fingers and uh, cast mending to fix the shirt. You see the stitching in your tunic, Oz, fuse back together at the exact same color and patterning that it was that was there before. <gasps> Thank you. This is my favorite shirt. <laughs> Not a problem. Okay. Sorry. Wow, guys. Anyways, back to business. So, do you want to accept this job? Team huddle. Yeah, Oz gets on. Oz sits down. (laughs) We'll huddle around Oz. Yeah, and I'll sigh and walk over. All right, team huddle, discuss. Uh, Logan will look back at, what's his name? Grim. Uh, Yeah, Grim, whatever. Uh, And be like, yeah, take take a couple steps back. Team huddle. Would you like me to just leave? No. Because then we have to answer if we're going to do this job for you, don't we? You asked me to take a couple of steps back. Or will this help? He snaps his fingers, and you see a glowing aura envelope his face and ears. Oz and Eugene, you recognize this as the spell of deafening. He's not going to know what we're talking about. Oh, I don't know what you did. You got an orb around you. He can't hear anything. You could scream anything you want at him. Hear it. That's a deafening spell. Oh. Cool. You're kind of a prick. I'm not a big fan of you. Turn you're read. trying to get all of my friends killed. Did you Logan, turn? He can lip read. Oh. Still, you're kind of a prick. He smiles and waves at you. Yeah. I turn my back to him. <laughs> all right, all right, group huddle. So do this job. Uh, this sounds pretty dangerous, and I don't know that. I think Fixstar would want to know about this. Agreed. But I don't think there was anything in our contract about not being able to do other contracts. Is that, am I right? He already said that he's going to put an official thing in under an alias, so we're still technically working for Omni Repair. It would also be in the interest of Fixstar. He had mentioned already that there was a past history, so it's not far-fetched. So really, we'd be doing him a favor. I don't know if I'd go that far, but maybe it'd be a favor for Nightmail. Actually, since we're all here, I don't really get a chance to talk at every same time. I do have something that's been bothering me of late. What's that, Oz? Uh, just something about what happened in Lokoran or what's happening in Lokoran doesn't make a sense to me. And it doesn't have to be today or... But... I would like us to go out there and try and figure out what's happening. I mean, you got fucking Vault going out into the Godwood. You got no... It's just It doesn't make any sense, and I'd really like to try and figure out, see if my home's safe. Didn't you lose your friend in Lokoron? We did. Yeah, we did. But as for the job at hand, yeah, I don't see any reason we shouldn't take this and just keep it in mind as we go around. How about there's a notion... And I'm not saying I'm against doing this. I just want to bring it to the forefront. We would essentially be hired killers. You know what? No, not essentially. We would be hired killers. I just want to point that out. Because what he's asking us to do is to go out and kill these agents of this Fenris guy. Right? He also said we have to kill them to get them. That could be his interpretation. 
I'd also like to point out real quick that in all of my time in the libraries, I've never heard of these things. I don't know that he's telling any speck of truth because it's been, I've been there almost 400 years. And I, he said the only people that knew about this was Nation Elven Society. Well, you know, I spent all of my life in an elven library and I've never heard of these pack spheres. You're probably not part of that society. I've read a lot. You're not part of that society. My point is, probably they don't. Your library doesn't have the information. You just don't have it. Have you ever heard of gravekeepers before you came to Nightvale? I know I haven't, and I'm not even from that far. Yeah, no, never heard of gravekeepers. This just all makes me very uneasy. I don't. I just don't want to see anything happen to you guys. But we are comfortable. I, I know, Sabine, you're probably fine with it. Logan, you're probably mostly okay. And the fact that really we're killing people that have apparently cheated death in some way, restoring what? some kind of cosmic balance. Not just that, Gonham, but the only person that I've ran into who's had one of these things uh, kidnapped children and was using them bending their will to use them for whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, no, so I, I mean, I can only assume... Totally cool with that, killing Dahlmacher. Oh, but, but what I'm saying is, I can only assume that mm -hmm. this guy's not out there picking the best of people. He's not, oh, yeah, this one guy, you can kidnap children, but you over here, just make bread. You know, you're I'm right. Sure they're all up to some form of nefarious plot. No, you're right, you're right. And like I said, I didn't say I'm against it. I just wanted to point it out. How comfortable are all of you being hired killers? I think we should do it. Wow. Nice. I've, just just wow. My tribe is basically hired killers. We're bred for war. It's kind of what we do. Being bred for war and outright killing someone or not exactly the same. There's murder, and then there's wolves. Oh, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna kill him and not let him know that I'm not going to kill him. He if it makes you... Know. As, as you said, it sounds to me like these people have already cheated death. And, uh, Sabine, I, I believe you would agree with the natural order of things where cheating death is not in, in the laws of nature. I, I would, and she throws out a huge burp. Mm, I don't like it, but I'll do whatever I need to to keep you guys safe. So I guess that's it then. I suppose so. Osmond? <clears throat> I mean, I feel as though we should reserve judgment, but if they all turn out to be like Dolmacher or worse, then, you know, I'd say we be cleaning up, so to speak. Then I take it, then we're decided. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll turn back and look at Grim. The group huddle is broken, and you all turn around? Yep. You notice that all, or that Grim has dozed off, and he looks to be sleeping. I kick I'll him go. in his nards. No. <laughs> I, I don't kick him in I'll go up and tap his armor. Okay. He shakes a little bit and snaps his fingers. The spell dissipates. As soon as the glowing aura dissolves around his head, he points to Yusubin and looks at the flask and gives you the gimme sign with his hands. 
she takes this wig and makes sure makes sure that it is all in her gullet and empty and then hands it back. He grabs it, tilts it up and lifts his head back, is shocked that there's none left, kind of shakes it a little bit, and you see a very disappointed look on his face when he goes, Ah, dwarves. Alright, what did you guys decide? We're in. Great. First things first. You, what's your name? And he points to you, Isby. Uh, my name's Isby. Alright, I'm supposed to give this to you then. And he gives you a small, plain wooden box. The box has one distinguishing characteristic to it. It has a painted skull on the lid of the box. What is this? He puts his finger on the top of the box and taps it a couple of times. Waves his finger in the nose, you know, waves his finger side to side. Never touch a packed sphere. Whenever you get one, put it in this box. Also, don't use ice magic around packed spheres. Makes them go all wonky. I'll keep that in mind. Define wonky. Explosive. Noted. Lastly, you, and he points to Logan. Yeah. You said you wanted me to give you a lead. I've only got one, and I got it from Kostia. There's a place called Evergarden. Shares a border with the Quill District. It's in the King's Square. Apparently some weird stuff's been going on over there, even for this city. Kostia noticed that wherever he went, the strange occurrences didn't happen. That gives me a good hunch that that's a place you should start. Good. Evergarden. Thanks. All right. Let's seal the deal. And he reaches his hand out to you, Logan. What do you mean, seal the deal? In Baker, is this some sort of ever-long pact that I have to, you know, abide by? It's part of your reward. Don't you want to get stronger? Uh, if it's your death god's curse, you can keep it. I'm not making you a gravekeeper. You're working for the god of death. You either take her blessing, or you just become weak. I don't really care. Yeah, he's not going to take it. Huh? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not taking it. If it's another god's like blessing, he's totally about like not about it. I'll do it. You Unless walk- anybody stops me. All right. So you walk up to him. Does anybody stop? Grim turns to you and extends his hand. Okay. Eugene, as you touch Grim's hand, you feel your spine tingle, and the cold kind of eeps in. The cold ekes into you a little bit. You notice shadows and gray smoke come out from the bottom of Grimm's armor and start to crawl up your legs. Roll a constitution check. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Check or saving throw? Saving throw. One of these days, I'm actually going to say constitution saving throw the first time. 17. Cool. You feel fine. The cold dissipates, and the smoke gets about halfway up your knees, and then just kind of melts on top of your clothes. And you see Grim's face get a little shocked for a second. And he says, you'll feel stronger tomorrow. With the power of friendship. Ah, whatever. All right, Osmit, you're next. <clears throat> no. No. I, uh... How do you say main exclusive? I'm not asking you to cheat on your god, Oz. I'm giving you extra strength. Alright. You shake the hand. You also feel cold creep up your spine. 
and gray smoke crawl up your legs. Roll a constitution check. Saving throw. Almost. You almost had it. We're, we're getting there. 13. You pass. And it crawls back down your legs. You see the smoke melt. Grim whispers in your ear. Even Arcanus likes strong devotees. Next. And he reaches his hand out towards you, Isby. I take it. Roll a constitution saving throw. Got it. Yes. You did it. Bing, 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 bing. Not natural 20. The smoke gets all the way up to your throat and creeps inside of your ear for a little bit. It melts all over your body. Grim looks at you with his mouth slightly agape. What did you say your name was again? Bisbee. I don't see why it's so important. You're going to think this is the strangest question anyone's ever asked you, but have you ever seen a girl with blonde hair running around here? I may have. All right. He looks side to side as if he's looking for someone, shakes his head. He moves on to Ghanim. Ghanim puts his hand down slowly. Roll a constitution saving throw as you you grasp the hand of death. So I'm actually going to go over and grab Ghanim's arm, if that's okay. Yeah. Interject. Grim looks at you and says, What are you doing, Eugene? What are you doing, Grim? I thought this was a one-person deal. No. You all need to be stronger. I assume you all want free power. No power is free. What are you doing? This power is free because it comes from the dead, Eugene. Explain. You'll find out tomorrow. Uh, I won't answer that. I'll just let... um. Gonim's arm go and look at him kind of uneasily. I look at him and just go, thanks for the permission. And then it's an 18. The smoke gets all the way up to your chest and you feel your heart relax. Since you were attacked by that celestial beam, you've always felt like your heart has been different. And after the smoke pierces your chest, it feels like it's gone back to normal. And then it dissipates and melts all over your body. Grim turns back to you, Logan free power. And he holds out his hand. I'm gonna rage. Oh, are we fighting? Uh, no. I'm gonna rage, and I'm gonna have the lightning, like, engulf my body, and I'm gonna look at him and I say, no power is free. It's earned. Keep it. Suit yourself, then. He turns to you, Sabine. You're last. Have some power, Sabine. Sabine, who has yet to put her axe away, kind of just twirls in her hand. She says, don't you dare touch me, boy. Let's make a deal, Sabine. No. No? Not even for some more of that mead? As tempting as that delicious mead is. No, thank you. I don't trust you. Do you trust gold, Sabine? I'm trying to help. I don't know why you think I'm such a bad guy. Well, for starters, you're in all black. That's always the sign of a bad guy. That's pretty prejudiced, if you ask me. I've killed a lot of bad guys in my day. That's fair. That's pretty prejudiced. Don't you tell me what I do I don't know. All right, well, I can't force you to take the power, so I'll be off then. Grim. Yes? One thing I'd like you to clarify before you go. Of course. What was your name? Ghanim Dragon Banner. Yeah, go ahead. What's up? Said Fenris killed millions. 
Yeah. Clarify that a little. Actual millions. Millions is an exaggeration, but if you really want to know more about Fenris, I'll tell you a little. Can't tell you too much. Gravekeeper's code and all. All I want to know about is the million. I'm sure you've never heard of the city Iona. Nope. Yeah, that's because the first time Fenris was looking for whatever he's looking for, he found it. Everybody in that city ended up dead. The whole city, like a plague, had wiped them out. And from what I've seen of him recently, he doesn't look too guilty. Doesn't look like he's feeling it, you know what I mean? I just nod. <laughs> Alright. He's giving you a very serious look, Ganem. This is the most serious you've seen in the entire conversation. You hear him mutter something under his breath. I'm never going to trust him again. Does he meet my eyes after he says that? Mm-hmm. I actually look him dead in the eyes, and I give him a respectful bow of the head. He, res- he respectfully bows back, and you see his eyes soften for a second. He's looked very hard this entire conversation, and for a second you see some vulnerability in Grim's eyes. And with that, he turns away and begins to jingle as he walks out of Omni Repair, assuming nobody stops him. As soon as he opens the door, you all hear an incredibly loud crack of thunder. It looks like rain Armageddon outside. The water is so thick and heavy that it started to pool around the steps of Omni Repair as he makes his way out. I put my hand on Logan's shoulder. Looks like the heavens are playing our song. Yeah, I'd say so. Basically pray in the rain. You all hear... Boo! Sorry. You all hear groaning from behind the desk, and Volk kind of staggers... Volk staggers back into his chair. Oh, man, I knew I should have gotten training wheels for this goddamn chair. And right as that happens, you hear Fixstar burst through the anything door. Volk, the roof is leaking again. We need to get to work. Oh, fixed are my head. Ah, all right, one second. Hey, when did you guys get here? Just got here. Yeah, but, I mean, did you not see me unconscious? Did nobody come and check on me? We did. You were alive. You're fine. Oh, Isby, that's so sweet. Volk, we don't have time for this. Give them a job so we can get back to repairing the, the roof. Uh, 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 and he kind of scrambles through the desk and pulls out a small note, runs up to Eugene, hands Eugene the note. Eugene, take this. I'll be back with the basket. Hands you the note, runs into the anything room, closes the door behind him. Uh, uh, okay. Um, hey, Oz, um, take a look at this. I'll show him the note that says, To the handyman of Omni Repair, please deliver this package to the dryads of Locoron. They will know what to do, and the basket is 190 gold. Hmm. Didn't you Keep say you wanted to check that out? I did, actually. Keep one need simple, and they're easy enough to fulfill, I suppose. Well, I mean, I'm happy to go with you and check this out. I appreciate that, Eugene. You're a good friend. My I... eyes gleam with, with like, the, the hope of the million souls being fulfilled. Actually, Eugene, I'll lean down and kind of lean over to whisper so everyone else can't hear. You're actually kind of my first friend. I'm going to give him one of those, uh, going to give him one of those sort of like arm handshakes I've been seeing around where you grab their forearm and not their hand and try to give him like a 
bro-to-bro moment. Oz looks very confused, but then just dwarfs the upper portion of your arm with his hand. You too, Oz. You too. At this point, you hear the door slam open, and the first sound besides Volk screaming is a child crying, a baby crying. Volk is holding the basket out as far away from him as he can, and he goes, All right, when do you guys take this already? God, this thing never shuts up. Oh, well, good. Oz, you grab the basket from him? Uh, no one objects. You grab the basket from him. Volk claps you on the shoulder a little bit. He has to stand up on his tippy toes to get the very top of your shoulder. Ah, Oz, thanks so much. I, I'm not going to lie. I really don't like kids. I'm going to go back to my desk now, okay? You guys know where you're going, right? Yeah, I know where we're going. The package is a baby? Yeah, can't you hear it, Eugene? Well, Volk, me and this kid have something in common. What's that? We... We don't like you, and I'll walk away. <laughs> You're so funny, Oz. You know what? I'm a little upset with you, Oz. That's the second time you've offended me. One of these days, I'm going to take you out to dinner and treat you like a princess. Uh, I'll take that as the threat it is. Good. You should. All right. Are me and Gollum still, still in the room? Yeah. Th- so this all happened before you guys wanted to do your thing. There is now a crying infant or a crying baby in a basket that Oz is holding, and Volk looks like his heart is broken. Well, Oz looks like we're going to Lokeren. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, is that your excited voice? I mean, I guess anxious would be a better term, but excited nonetheless. Alright. Well, if y'all will excuse me, I have some things, some business to attend to. Outside, I'm going to go pray for a little while. It's perfect conditions. Uh, Actually makes two of us. All right, well, wait. Who are you praying? Brian Sue. Yeah, don't know him. Uh, Wait, no, do know him. Yeah. (laughs) What? What? I just just walk past him slowly. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm going to follow him out. I'm taking my coat off first. Really quickly, are you trying to get to the roof of Omni Repair, or are you doing this out in the street? Just out in the street. Okay. You are out in the street right in front of Omni Repair. The rain has somehow made it up to your ankles at this point. It's pooled up to your ankles, and the storm is coming down like, again, it's Armageddon. Cool. Uh, I'm going to fill my flask up first. With you got rainwater, mm-hmm. um, and then I would just like to get down on my knees and put like my head in the water, since like if I can like since it's you know up to our ankles, right? Yep. Yeah. So there's a good bit of water puddling, uh, and just like clean my hair out and clean myself uh, as I pray for. Um, you know, strength and to wipe away the uh, the pains and, and things that, you know, and the darkness that has been surrounding me and the rest of my companions the entire time we've been in Nightmare. Roll me a charisma uh, check. Straight charisma check. Oh, God. That's a not 20, my man. Thunder cracks as you splash water across your face and 
it feels like Rhaegar is right beside you. Hell yeah. You feel incredibly refreshed. Cool. Kneel down. I won't repeat the same thing because obviously I'm already clean. But I'll pull my sword out, keep it in front of me, and dip the guard to my forehead and pray to Branseal for the strength and guidance to lead me forward into the trials that we have ahead. Roll a charisma check. That'll be a 21. 21? Hell yeah. As if you were sharing a very religious, bro-religious moment, the thunder cracks a second time at the end of your prayers, and it's a larger crack of thunder than previously seen. Lightning streaks the sky, and you feel as though your prayer was most certainly heard. Uh, I'll get, I'll get up after praying and look at him and wipe the hair out of my eyes and you know out from in front of my face and just be like, "So, Brand Seal, huh?" Brand Seal. As I stand up and face him. Well, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Glad you think uh, so. Well, I worship uh, Rhaegar. Mm-hmm. I've noticed. Brian Seelis' son. Mm-hmm. We seem to be pretty good together in a fight. Maybe us together, both of the gods can look down upon us and maybe look past their mistakes. You know, I'm thinking that very same thing. Nice. And then I was just going for like a, you know, a handshake. You get it. Uh, And then I'll look at him and just with a serious face. But that only lasts as long as I, it lasts as long until I get strong enough to rip Rhaegar from the sky and take his place. At that point, what would Branseal have to fear from you? Oh, nothing. Exactly. Well, good. So, to, uh, our upcoming adventures, friend. As am I. One thing, though. Yeah. You know, I've met Branseal face to face as I've stood stood before him as I stand before you now. The one thing I gathered about Godhood is may not be all it's cracked up to be. Uh, I'm aware. Uh, I don't expect Godhood to be great. But that is the path that's laid before me. In front before everyone in the storm tribe uh who seek make who seek greatness we walk a path that is led straight to rhaegar i see even though it may be a great burden that is the path that we walk i too am on a path so i understand come on my blade's gonna rust when i go inside yeah i'm starting to get pruney you... and i'll walk inside you guys enter Omni Repair and everybody's just chilling. Oz has the baby. Um, so. Rich, I would like to inspect and th- while that had been going on, make an attempt to sue the child. Cool. So, while you guys are having that moment, Oz, you remove the cloth cover from 
the the basket, you see a tiefling baby. Dark red skin, ram's horns, and orange hair. Can I see it from where I'm where I'm at? Yes. It's he they're in the they're in the center of the room. And I'm gonna go peer in that basket. Yeah, I'm still sitting. Yep. And uh Oz, roll me animal handling. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> A. It's more because it's a baby, not because it's a tiefling. I'll tell you what, I'll just cast calm emotions about the baby. That works. The baby stops crying and starts cooing, looking at you very happily. Hey, there you go, little buddy. It is a girl tiefling, FYI. Gotcha. Isby, you see this. I'm just staring. Like, it's the first time I've ever seen anybody that kind of looked like me. Yeah, a little bit. I do see the resemblance. Um, pat the baby's head. The baby responds positively to being pat on the head. Its emotions are super calm right now. This At this point, Ghanim and Logan, you enter to see Isby and Oz kind of taking care of this baby while everybody else is doing their thing. Well, um, now that that's done, we can leave or we could wait out the storm. Either or, doesn't matter to me. Head to Locrin Forest. I'm not the biggest fan of water in general, so if we can wait for the storm, that'd be preferable for me. Oh shit, my horse! I run outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. At this point, so Fixstar has been there the whole time. At this point, Fixstar grabs Volk by the collar and says, you all handle that, and pulls Volk through the anything door and closes it. Gotham, you run out, and your horse is startled, almost <laughs> chomping at the bit, and what do you do? Uh, I take him off the reins, and I try to get him in, into some kind of cover. There doesn't seem to be any cover available around the surrounding buildings, except for the two doors of Omni Repair, which are currently open. Fuck it. I just walk him through the doors. He follows you, and in fact, he pulls you along a little bit as he gets onto the steps, realizing that it's going to save him from the rain, and takes his position next to a lot of the monster heads on the left side of the room. He shakes vigorously, removing a lot of the water off of his body, and it splashes onto the walls of Omni Repair. I'll go to the anything door and try to find, like, a linen closet. You do not... It is not successful. You go to grab the door handle, think of a linen closet, and the door is locked for you. Mm. Armory? Open it. Armory works. You turn the handle of the door, and a very familiar armory is in front of you. Uh, okay, close it. One. Storage, storage, and then I'll open it again. Okay, one second. So you close it, and you think of a storage room, and it's locked again. At this point, the horse has crossed the room and is softly neighing behind you. Uh, Does anybody know where we keep blankets? Uh, I have a few. What do you need them for? You could also check the anything room, I'm sure. I just just did that. 
I need it for my wet horse. Uh, while they're checking the anything room, I'm gonna try to track down Fixstar. Where do you go? You saw him go through the anything roof or the anything room last, and currently a horse and Gonim are in front of it. I'm just gonna amplify my voice with uh, minor illusion and yell, Fixstar, I need that word. You hear no response as you yell across the room. The only thing that you notice going on is that Oz seems to be making some kind of toy for the baby. So then I'll just tell Volk, who he's still in there, right? Nope. Fixstar grabbed him by the collar and pulled him through the door. Crap. Uh, well, I guess I'm going to walk up to the door and say, excuse me, and imagine Fixstar's office. Got him. Do you move aside? As much as the horse allows, yeah. You reach for the door, and as soon as you touch the door handle, Eugene, it sounds like the storm is starting to dissipate. Just as quickly as it came, it seems to be leaving, and the door is locked for you. You do not imagine the right office. Uh, okay, I give up. All right, there's a horse. So I feel like this is a joke, but a Here's horse. Here's that blanket. Got them. All right, oh, can you do that? Yes. Let's start like trying to get my horse kind of dry. You do it. Your horse is dry. It's a very absorbent towel. Oz has everything, the best of everything in that chest. It's a sham wow. Wow. I mean, it's really useful. Where's your slap chop? You got a ninja in there. <laughs> All right. Re- Raining the party back in. The baby is occupied with a shiny toy, and the storm seems to be dissipating. Sabine, you've been quiet a while. What are you up to? Well, she's tipsy and just kind of hanging in the corner waiting for the storm to pass. It is, it is almost done passing. The rain is a light drizzle outside. All right, shall we go? Not no why would you ask me a ridiculous question like that? Well, do you, do you know how to swim? I don't have to answer you, boy. I'll take that as a no. Shut up. What do you know? Would, would you like to learn how to swim? Dwarves don't swim. I've known a couple dwarves to swim. So have I, actually. Real dwarves don't <laughs> swim. They weren't imaginary, I see. You must be drunk, boy. Off, off with you. You're done now. And I'll walk away from Sabine. <laughs> I'm done. I've been canceled. <laughs> All right. So Sabine and Logan are done talking. You guys have a baby. Oz loads up and starts to walk out. The- Thank you, Oz. I didn't want to have to, like, <laughs> yeah. force a god to show up and say, get the fuck out of Omni Repair. <laughs> this, is, this is our house now. This is where we live. We're doing a, you made it rain, so we're doing a bottle episode. Oh, I start no, taking no, no. all of the monster heads. <laughs> They're wet and slippery in your hand. Roll dexterity check. So, anyway, Oz packs up everything, makes sure the baby is secure. Oh, oh, net 20? Cool. Every, every monster head somehow magically fits inside of your chest. Yes. Even the ancient red dragon's head. All right, so Oz secures the baby. Make sure everything on his chest is handy and ready, and starts to head out. Not saying a word to any of you. I'll follow him and build my cape. Yeah, I'm gonna 
pack my, you know, make sure my weapons and stuff are ready, and I'm going to... Once the horse is dry, I guess I'll lead him back outside. All right. Isby. Yeah, I'm just going to follow along. I'm, I'm kind of aloof and in my own head. While you're aloof and in your own head, tell me where you put the box. I'm just going to put it in my bag. Okay, cool. You all exit Omni Repair, and the sun isn't out yet, but the clouds seem to be separating. You notice that the water is receding incredibly quickly. It's now back down to about the sole of your boot. You step down the stairs, and I assume, Ghanem, you tie your horse? Yeah, I'll reach it, reach him. All right. The horse has been tied, and you all make your way through the main street of the Guilds District. How do you want to get to Lokeron? Just a reminder, there are three gates to the city. One that goes southeast towards the towards Lake Town and the farms. And you can take the kind of roundabout way to get to Lokeron that way. It's the way you went the first time. You can head out straight from the s- center gate of the city, heading directly east, which is the most direct route to Lokeron. And then the northeast gate, which will take you up and around the orchards and under the mines of the mountain range towards Lokeron as well. You can't miss Lokeron. Uh, well, Oz, you're most familiar. Which way do you want to go? And I, don't you have a familiarity with the druids? Dryads. Dryads, not Although, you wouldn't be incorrect in assuming that there were druids there. Gotcha. Dryads don't, you know, like, eat children or anything, right? Didn't hear any stories about that growing up, no. DM interference? They don't. Yeah, <laughs> that just... that that's common knowledge. The dryads do not eat children. They're yeah, just you nope, being just... squeamish about human trafficking. Yeah, oh, I got you. Just elves. <laughs> Ayo. Um. Okay. Well, I guess we can be on our way. Uh, take the main path through the farms. You take the main path through the farms, and one second, I make these tables for a reason. These are the same farms that we just visited to recover the kid's body? Just visited being like weeks ago. Well, yeah, yeah relative terms. Yes. And okay. on your way there, as you make it towards the gate to Lake Town, the southeast exit of Nightvale, you notice the streets are moderately busy, but a large carriage drawn by four all-white horses, I'll say, stops as it notices, someone inside the carriage notices all of you and tells the driver to stop. Stop! You notice that among all the red draperies and curtains and everything, there's one symbol that repeats itself several times on the carriage, and it's a golden sickle on a red field cutting golden wheat. Isby, this triggers a memory in your mind. That's the symbol of one of the noble houses of Nightvale called the Nakarmenyes. Do you all stop for it, or do you just keep walking? Um, were we indicated to have stopped? Not really. I would argue you just heard someone inside scream stop. I mean, I'll divert my attention, but I'm not halting. Okay. Same. The do- Same. Then the doorman... So as the carriage stops, I'll, I'll breadcon this. As the carriage stops, the doorman runs to the door, yells... Out all of you. Excuse me, you're all from Omni Repair, correct? Yes. 
Please stop and have an audience with Brugo Nakamenye. Come this way, please. We, we're kind of in the middle of something. Uh, it's very important. You really shouldn't argue with one of the noble houses of Night Vale. And he looks at you like this is obvious information that you don't say no to a noble. Humility is someone's best quality. Uh, uh, at, at this point, he opens the door, and I assume you all keep walking? I mean, at this point, I've turned full, like, full to face the guy. An elderly gentleman steps out, dressed to the nines in incredibly fine silk. Everything is red and gold, and the tassels on his large, poofed-out shoulders seem to mimic wheat, in a way. He steps out, gives you all an incredibly formal bow. Bruga, Bruga Nakamenye, I wish to discuss with your group the return of Francis Dormacher's body in exchange for a purse of a non-trivial sum of gold. I look back at Logan. Uh, I put her in a closet. Actually, the gravekeepers took his body. I was going to have him buried with his wife and daughter. Yeah, the gravekeepers don't always give choice, you know. Why Why do you want the body of a psychotic gnome? He scoffs for a second and turns to you, Eugene. (coughs) Well, I'm not at liberty to give you all of the details, but he was part of the family. No details, no body. We can't give him the body anyway, Eugene. (laughs) Ah. Yeah, we don't. (laughs) So you say that gravekeepers came and took him? Yep. Then we have nothing left to discuss. And he waves his hand off at you very rudely, steps back into the carriage. And do you always want to say anything to you, to him? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to... You... Uh, just a quick thing. Oz, you told us about his wife being a noble, right? Yeah, everything that was in the diary. Yeah, I will shout out... But I guess his wife was one of your family... You see the nobleman's shoulders tense up. He turns around. The insolence. Gods! You see three heavily armored Night Vale guards come up. Logan, you you recognize the symbol on their chest to be Nilonara's men, the hornets. And something as the guards are approaching. Put the basket on the ground and start acting like I'm talking to the baby. I cast calm emotions and target that individual, the carriage driver, and the guards aren't close enough, so I'm not going to worry about that. Can we try to handle this in a pacifist manner? Uh, do me a favor, roll deception really quick. Okay. As you are trying to convince people you are casting a spell on the baby and no one else. Well, that'll be 16 minus 1, so 15. Nobody recognize. everybody assumes you're casting some kind of spell on the baby. And what's the wisdom save? DC 13? Uh, charisma save DC 13, yeah. All right, one second. So you targeted the noble and who else? The carriage driver. So I figured those were the only ones in range. Correct. As the guards approach, you notice the noble, his eyes get a little drowsy, and he takes a big sigh of relief. 
<sighs> the carriage driver looks very confused and perplexed. He's like, what, 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 what? Huh, huh. He's like feeling himself all over and checking himself. The noble looks at you, Isby. What did you say earlier? I was gonna walk over to him, but I was gonna walk over to him and uh, flash my family signal as I wear it around my neck real quick and tell him how about you just move along, just pretend like this didn't happen. So Isby, as you approach the noble, you notice his eyes also get very drowsy and his position towards you all changes drastically. As the guards approach and say, what's going on here? The noble says, it was nothing. Uh, I apologize for calling you fine gentlemen over here. I'll be taking my leave now. And he continues to shake his head a little bit, trying, it looks like he's trying to shake something off, but gets inside of the carriage and drives off. Take your leave. The guards, being none the wiser, don't even pay attention to the six of you and walk away. I'll take his leaving as a yes. A yes for what? A yes that uh, his wife was one of his kids. You saw his reaction. He tensed up drastically when you mentioned Francis Dahlmacher's wife. Cool. So that is neither a confirmation or a negation of your question. You just saw his reaction. You threaten my friends, I'm gonna burn your carriage down, don't care who you are. Oh my god, Eugene, do it. <laughs> um, so has he... Okay, now he, he's, he's backed off, right? Yeah, so yeah. Oz cast this spell. His position didn't become friendly towards you, but the situation dissolved quite quickly after that. Alright, he, he was six seconds away from having being a carriage bonfire, but we're okay. Good. I'm glad you didn't have to kill a man today, Eugene. I imagine this scene as, like, Eugene, that little scrawny kid who gets real uppity about stuff, and Gundam's just got one hand on his chest while he's jumping up and down, flailing his arms, going like, calm down, Eugene, it's okay. That is 100% we, of his we, emotional state. We, we know, we know, you're bad, you're bad. <laughs> All right, to uh, Locran Forest... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. All of you continue walking through the guilds district and finally make it to the gate. Sabine, you see a very surprising sight waiting for you at the gate. The entire Golden Company seems to be standing at the gate, packing up their horses and getting the cart ready to go. Everybody's there. Marble, Granite, Pebble, Krieg. My boys. As soon as you get within eyesight, Krieg sees you, and his face just lights up, and he comes rushing towards you. It looks like he's going to tackle you. What do you do? Throw my arms open and let that let that man hug me. Awesome. Roll a strength uh, a strength saving throw. Oof, Krieg, my boy. Sixteen. So he rolled a critical fail, and he rolled a 5% on the crit fail dice. He runs up to you, arms open, Sabine, and hits you like you are a brick wall, falls on his ass coming down. You are just standing there with your arms open. 
Uh, and she laughs hysterically. He gets up, dusts himself off. Oh, Sabine, I didn't think we were going to make it. I couldn't find you. You've got to come with us. He seems very flustered, and he's having trouble forming full sentences. Battlebeard, what's going on? He stops dead in the middle of his sentences, or dead in the middle of his speech, turns around to see if anybody hears it. None of the boys seem to hear it. He comes up to you, Sabine, once in your life, can you call me Battle Barrel in front of the boys? She gives him, like, finger gun. She says, that's a hard no. Ah. <laughs> ah. Anyways, I'm glad we found you. I looked all over for you. Where were you? I, I, took a, I took a spa day, if you can believe it or not. Are you dying? No, I'm just part of Omni Repair and thought I'd try something new. Oh, he shakes his head like he just got hit with a hammer. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyways, you need to come with us. Your parents, your family, remember how they all died 20 years ago. Battle Barrow, we agreed to never speak of these things. I know, I know, but it's important. Since you've been gone and haven't reclaimed any of your family's rights or property, they're selling your estate. Your whole family's being dismantled. That's why your armor hasn't come here. It's being held in auction. You've got to come back to Ambastat with us. She shakes her head and looks at the ground. I've just been given a job. It'll be hard for me to leave. Let me let me go check in with, with my companions. All right. We'll be right at the gate when you're ready to go. All right. Thank you, Battle Barrel. You see him return to the company, and all the guys laugh as they saw him wipe out in front of you. It was cute. We can't lie. Sabine walked back to the rest of her party and uh, kind of just looks at them and says, Well, I hate to say this, but you'll all be doing this job without me. What? What's wrong, Sabine? I can't speak of it. I just must go with the Golden Company for now. I'll send word when I can make my way back to Omni Repair. You need to leave? <laughs> nothing. It's nothing personal, Eugene. We are friends. But you're leaving? Are you coming just, back? Just for a job, Eugene. I'll bring you a nice shiny something back. Okay. You pro- promise? <laughs> She kind of like holds Eugene's hand, just gives him a little squeeze. I firmly oh, grasp it. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, Logan will walk over to her, give her a firm handshake. If you, if you need anything, just call for us. We'll be there to help. She nods her head in, in appreciation. And then he's going to take the battle axe that he took from the armory and just kind of like look at it be like he doesn't realize he doesn't really need it and hand it to her here take this it's you know never hurts to have another blade dm is the uh x dwarven made the axe is dwarven made and you literally only have one axe loop one empty axe loop left it was like it's like it was made to go there i she takes it and she says thank you laddie don't die out there and He'll start walking towards the gate. As I walk past, I just slap her on the shoulder and look over, give her a smile. She smiles back. I'll just give her a wink. She blushes. (laughs) 
Everything has its time and its place of being. I suppose yours just right now. Aye, Fuzzball. I suppose you're right. Fuzzball. <laughs> now you know how Battle Barrel feels. <laughs> I mean, maybe a little fuzzy, but I'm nowhere near the shape of deer. We can talk about a better next time on my return. I'll just expect one. Aye. Take care, Sabine. I'll try and make sure nothing happens while you're gone so you don't beat yourself up about it. Just keep him upright, for God's sakes. For the Paragon's sakes. Yeah, I'll do my best. You know, well, there'll be a little less of a handful without you here. I don't get too used to it, though, because I will be back. I can't wait. It'll get way too quiet. <laughs> For sure. Don't touch me, Mead. That's a special blend. We'll share a casket of it when I get back. And she looks at each one of them and points. Very stir- sternly. What mead is she talking about? I've only ever drank tea. Lord. Also, since when do you share? This is a special job. I'll tell you all about it a bit when I get back. I meant the mead. I meant the mead. I understand. It's... it's... So tired. <laughs> you're you're almost done, Sabine. You're almost done. Four weeks off after this. I know. I I, I really wanted somebody just to walk up and be like, shake my hand and be like, have a nice summer. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give me give me some emotion. You're leaving, Sabine. You're gonna go claim your family inheritance. She, she she has the act, she said goodbye, she flips her braid and walks back to the golden company, strong and upright and as she walks up to Battle Barrel, she just, you know, says, All right, let's get this done. Aye, let's go. And you hear all the boys cheer. Ah, Sabine's with us! As Sabine is leaving and you see the Golden Company pack up and leave, you hear a very familiar sound as Sabine begins one of her great stories as many of the dwarves are huddled around her. Give me one last thing to go out on, Sabine. Now, I know you boys have heard a tale or two of mine, but this one's a doozy, and I know we've got quite a ways to go, so listen closely. It all started when we were at... Sabine, you head off with the Golden Company. You are you are officially on Dungeons & Dragons vacation. Boo! All right, Sabine and the Golden Company head out. You all are standing at the gate towards Lake Town, what do you do? I'm uh, walking. Yeah, just keep walking the Locrin Forest. Okay, you all head out past Lake Town. The guards don't seem to be paying you any attention. Nothing exciting happens when you reach the center square of Lake Town. As you pass the farms that you've previously been to, everything seems peaceful. The work that you did seems to have put all of the farms at ease. And you head towards Lokeron Forest from the main causeway of the farms, and you travel for the rest of the night, as it takes a day and a night to get to Lokeron by foot. Do you want to do anything while you camp? Set up watch. All right. Who's taking watch? I'll take first. I'll go second. All right. I need one more watch. I'll go third, because I don't really sleep. Cool. All right. So let me do some rolling here. All right, Ganem, you set up watch and roll me a perception check. We're going to use one perception check for your several hours. Uh, 
plus 17 plus 2, 19. Very nice. You notice a strange sight. It's not hostile towards you, but for the first time since you've come to this side of the continent, you see two griffins flying off in the direction of Lokeron Forest. Mm. Nothing else eventful happens for the hours that you take watch. You go to sleep. Logan, you wake up. Um... I'll tell them that I saw two griffins, but they were headed off towards Lokeron. Okay. I'll keep an eye out in the sky and stuff. Okay. Logan, roll me a perception check. Nope. Uh, that would be a 19 plus 2, so 21. Nothing happens during your watch. In fact, it's eerily quiet. The entire time you're out there, outside of the chirping of crickets and the occasional sound of a snake slithering in the grass, you don't see anything. Like, is it too quiet? No, too quiet would be like the crickets and the snakes and the birds all stopped, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, the natural sounds of the evening are occurring, but other than that, nothing exciting happens. Okay. And then I'll go and wake up uh, Eugene. Hey, buddy. Okay. Time for your watch. Uh... Gonham saw some griffins fly by during his watch heading to Lokrin, so maybe keep an extra eye out in the sky. Got it. So I guess over the course of my watch, uh, one thing I'm going to do is, uh, <laughs> if I can, um, periodic arcana checks on myself to see if Grimm's enchantment or whatever it is was taking effect. Yep. So let's do this. Roll me two arcana checks. And then roll me one perception check. One arcana check will be for any lore that you've heard about the gravekeeper's, you know, curse or something like that. And let's make the other one, based on what you saw from the blessing, what kind of magics require gray smoke? So first one is a 14. For the arcana check? Yes, first arcana check. Okay. You have never heard of a Gravekeeper's Blessing before. Okay. Second check for Grey Smoke? Yep. Uh, 15. There are some rituals that you've heard of, or read of, I should say, that involve exchanging life essence through what some say looks like black smoke. These are usually considered necromantic magics. Alright. And then Perception, I guess, see if I'm feeling different once the sun's starting to come up well you're are you doing a perception to keep watch oh yeah yep yep all right roll it nine as you survey the area the only things that you notice that are odd or strange are several merchant wagons way off in the distance heading towards nightvale you see basically a small caravan going through throughout the whole night and ends early in the morning Okay. All right. You all wake up. What do you do? I'll let him. I'll let everybody know that a, a caravan went by. All right. Uh, pack up camp and keep moving. Make sure the baby's all right. The baby. The baby. Yeah. The baby is enthralled by Oz. It is ever since Oz cast calm emotions on it. Even after the spell has worn off, it has just been enchanted by everything Oz does, including the small toy that he's made for the baby which for everybody who wants to know it's a steel mirror on a rope hanging from the canopy of the basket it 
catches light and flings it around the basket's canopy for the baby. Cool. Hey, uh, Oz. Yeah. During my watch, I saw two griffins flying in towards Lokeron Forest. Is that something we should have to worry about? Oh, that's nice. I mean, should we have to worry about? I, not unless you're feeling like climbing some trees and challenging terrorists. Nope. Then you should be all right. Good. So, feeling any different, Eugene? Nothing, say. Not yet. Yeah, me either. Go kind of hungry. <laughs> oh, I had made Eats. breakfast here. Or fix yourself some. Oh, thank you. It's just boiled oats. I love oats. All right. So, pack up and head out. Yep. Off we go. Just in case, Eugene, you probably want to follow towards the center of the group. Mm, Okay. I'll get in the middle of the pack. I like this. uh, Give me marching orders. I'll be on Eugene's left. I'm squishy, so put me, don't put me at the front or back. So we'll walk with Isby and Eugene in the center. I'll be in the back and you in the front. Yeah, I'll, I'll go in the front. All right, so I've got Ghanem Logan in a pair, followed by Isby Eugene in a pair, followed by Oz leading up the rear. Oz baby in a pair. Oz baby in a pair. I like pairs. All right. Baby, baby is baby. Baby is baby. Now, you all head straight towards Lokeron, and when you get within 100 feet of the forest, I need... Let's see here. Sorry. Eugene, make a dexterity saving throw. Oh, what the heck? Oh, okay, I, baby. I rolled a dice. Uh, all right, one sec. Dexterity check? Yep. Not a, not a save? Oh, sorry. Dexterity saving... I said saving throw the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm trying to read my notes. That was dirty. That was dirty. I'm the worst. <laughs> it's gonna be a 21. Holy shit! This so fast. This arrow comes screaming out of the tree line of Lokeron. Something in your ancient Elven heritage triggers, and you duck immediately to the left holding your hand out and you snatch it from the air holy shit eugene that's pretty impressive but also where did that come from uh incoming 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 i hold my shield up in front of me okay uh i'm gonna look at the direction opposite of the arrow yeah it came straight from lokeron from one of the trees Oz, I assume you you take a glance at the arrow? Yeah. You notice something incredibly familiar, and I would assume somewhat comforting for Oz, as there is a string on the fletching with several colored beads. This is a dryad arrow. Oh, Oh, it's the welcoming committee. Hell of a welcome. I don't feel welcome. (laughs) What do we do? Uh, it's all right. Just whatever you do, don't panic that first. What do we do? 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 <laughs> at no, Eugene's constant <laughs> at Eugene's constant prodding, the baby starts to cry. Oh no! All right. <laughs> oh, shit. <sighs> I'm gonna I'm find, panicking. 
come I'm gonna comfort the baby and comfort Eugene. Eugene, it's okay. Just stick next to me. We'll be fine. Isby, make a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Four? Nope. You are going to take two piercing damage as an arrow just grazes your shoulder, and I need you to make a constitution saving throw. You see a small amount of purple liquid oozing from the slight cut on your shoulder. It burns a little bit, but you wipe it off quickly, and the burning sensation goes away. I'm going to turn around and look at Oz, and I'll be like, they don't seem friendly. And I'm going to start moving towards... The, the woods. In Sylvan, I'll shout out that, one, I am not, not trespassing and that I am bringing these individuals here and that we have a gift for the Dryads. A moment of silence goes by and you hear the Furbolg and the Tiefling can approach. And that was in Sylvan, not in common, right? Yeah, sorry. I, I need okay. to clarify. You hear a reply in Sylvan that seems somewhat agitated. Say the Furbog and the Tiefling may approach. All right. Oh, look, it is B. They want us to approach. Oh, uh, okay. Let's go. All right. Eugene, it'll be okay. You guys are going to go in there by yourselves? It'll keep you safer, that's for sure. It's all right, Logan. I know this place. It works a little differently okay. here. All right. I'm trusting you on this, but if I hear a scream, I'm tearing this forest apart. That's what we have the whistles for. Well, You're right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll blow my whistle three times. No! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Oz and Isby, you head towards the tree line? Yep. Yep. You make it there without any problems. Isby, you're the first to notice this. About 100 feet into the forest, you see a very familiar cat poking its head in and out from behind different trees as it hops between the bottom tr of the trunks of each of the trees. Ooh. Oz, as soon as you see Isby's attention divert that way, you notice it too, and it shakes you to your core. This is something you know very well. It's the furball god known as the force of nature or the spirit of the forest. And I'm going like, to whisper, hi, kitty, kitty, kitty. Excuse me. And at this point, Oz will take a more like revered approach. Very cool. Also, to throw this on top of you too, Oz, you know that this almost never happens. It is a huge deal that the god of the furballs is just prancing around, even in its cat form. You make it to the tree line. Oz, you know that the appropriate ceremony when approaching the tree line of Lokron is to bow before entering. Isby, you can infer this as you've seen Gross do it. What do you yes. guys do? You don't have to do it. Yeah, I will, I will do it. Yeah, Oz gets down low, places his hand on the soil, and then proceeds forward. The second your foot hits the first blade of grass behind the tree line of Lokoron, you hear about six or seven from your count, bows being drawn, and a green woman with elven-like ears and braids throughout all of her hair comes out of a tree trunk. 
you doing here? Where's this we gift told, you've brought me? We were told to deliver this, and I'll reach for the basket. You reach for the basket, you hear the tensing of bows, but no, none loose their arrows, and you see the dryad's hand raise up and come down, letting everyone know, be cool, don't fire those arrows. What is this? I was informed that you would have the information on what to do upon receiving this. She shakes her head. She curses in Sylvan. You understand the Sylvan words to basically say that humans are animals. She grabs it from you and says, I assume you're already paid for it. Uh, that will not have to come from you. Of course not. We don't pay for children. No, of course not. We, we appreciate what you're doing. However, I have some questions if you're out of the time. She hears you, Oz, ignores you, and turns to you, Isby, looks you dead in the eye. What are we doing exactly? I assume that you're giving this child safety. Safety from what? You think Lokoran is better than Nightvale? If you humans could do what is, comes natural to any real parents in the world, we wouldn't have to take your unwanted children. I know a lot about unwanted children. I was one myself. It's hard for them. She kind you of can give them any kind of comfort. I think it. I think it means the world of you. She scowls at you. I don't care what you think of me. You're half human, anyways. You. Why are you outside of the forest? And she looks back at you, ignoring your questions, Oz. I'm outside of the forest because for better or worse, I was separated from my tribe. Why did you not come back? Why have you been gone? I smell the city of Nightvale on you. Its stench is pungent. I fell into the clutches of an individual who kept me secured, or rather, away from Ron, and from there uh, was rescued by a human. Rescued? Res- she, she spits at the ground. Rescued by humans? Don't make me laugh. And she regains her composure. That's fine. Come, we will get you bathed, and we will find your tribe. Let's go. I look over, and behind my shoulder, these are my tribe now. She slowly turns around, and you can feel the frustration emanating from her. They are not your tribe. They are the enemy. I've lived with them. I've seen what they do and what they care about. They are not the enemy. Neither was the individual who saved me, who was also human. She waves her hand at you, Oz, and her bottom lip quivers. Fine. Go back with them. And she turns around and starts walking into the forest. Uh, Logan, do Perhaps. me a favor. Oh, sorry. One oh. second. Logan, do me a favor. I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Yep. That'd be a uh, 18 boss. You fail. You fall unconscious. For no apparent reason. Eugene, you turn around and you just hear Logan hit the dirt. 
So I'm going to yell out in Sylvan. No, no, no. We mean you no harm. We don't want to hurt you. We don't want to hurt anybody. We're just... Uh... Oz, Isby, you see Logan on the ground. No obvious reason why. And Eugene's screaming in Sylvan that they come in peace. What is this? What's the meaning of this? What happened to him? She ignores your comments and continues to walk into the forest. You see the cat starting to head deeper into the forest as well. Gom, how do you You're feel good. about this? I'll tell him to calm down, keep myself covered with the shield, and kneel down next to next to uh, Logan to try and do a medicine check. Okay, roll medicine real quick. Mm, 11? There doesn't seem to be a damn thing wrong with him. Can I simultaneously do a arcana check to see if there's a magic something magical influencing him i will give you one arcana check okay it's gonna be a seven no clue no idea all right oz we're gonna go back to you you've got the dryad walking deeper into the forest ignoring any comments from either of you and the god of the forest also walking deeper into the forest you know perhaps it is your isolation you poisoning of Lokaran. That's why we have intruders in the godwood so often. She gives you the equivalent of the Sylvan middle finger. She's not easy to deal with. I apologize. That's fair. And then I'll start running back to Logan and miss that mirror. You all, do you head quickly to Logan or slowly? Uh, I mean, if Eugene's panicking and I suppose I'll ask Gonham. Gonham, is he all right? He's breathing. Seems fine. No marks. Just unconscious. So then I'll go forth and try to inspect if allowed. Yeah, I'm going to try to hustle that back. I'll get out of his way. Okay. I'm going to keep my eyes open, though. Yeah. As you all make your way back to Logan, we're going to go into Logan real quick. So, Logan, guess where you are? In hell? Nope. You're on the ocean in a very familiar oh. boat. There's a person sitting on the other end of the boat with his hand in his head. Basically face-palming at this point. Can you guess who it is? Uh, Is it Rhaegar? It's Ursa. Oh, shit. Hey, Ursa. Why am I, uh... How did I get in this boat? You know, Logan, I ask myself that question, too. It's like you don't listen to any of my lessons. You were given a chance for power. Free power. How are you supposed to defeat Rhaegar if you pass up opportunities like that? It was power of another god. I... If I can earn this power on my own, what... I... I I didn't think... You taught me that my rage is my power. I am my power. I am my greatest weapon. Some... a, A thing from someone else... That's not going to help me. He sighs deeply. Well, then you're going to have to earn it right now. And he grabs you, trying to put his hand on your face. Do you react? Yeah, I'm going to bat that hand away. Cool. He's going to try and grapple you. He is super angry, by the way. You fail. His hand grabs the entirety of your face, and you feel electrical energy surge through your whole body, 
and you wake up. Everybody's standing over your body. You're back in the fields in front of Logron. Uh, I'm going to jump up. Uh, I'm going to look around uh, and see what I can see. Every... Uh, I'm, I'm freaked out right now. I was, I was on a boat like seconds ago. I get my face shocked and now I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm confused and I don't know what's going on. Anybody want to say anything to the newly revived Logan? Logan, you're all right. Here, drink some water. Get up slowly. We're confused and we don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know what's going on either. I was just in a boat with Ursa. You never left the forest. What? Yeah. Yeah, you hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. He yelled at me about not taking the power. Ugh. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. At this point, you hear the flapping of large wings and the, the call of griffins. Anybody who turns around sees the two griffins that Ghana mentioned dive-bombing you currently. They're about 100 feet up in the air coming down at you. And that's where we're going to end it. We'll roll initiative next week. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I've been your story master, Scott Riley, and we're going to outro. Sabine, uh, say goodbye. Have a great summer, y'all. Forever. <laughs> Isby, you're up next. Bye, y'all. Oz, the caretaker of all things infant. Yeah, take care, everyone. Eugene, the murderer of nobles. Mm, not yet, but I would. Premeditated murderer of nobles. We'll see. <laughs> Got him? Get him. One trope away from death. And last but not least, the guy who keeps in, uh, disappointing his storm dad, Logan Stormblast. Yeah, night, guys.